Are you rolling? Okay. I'm a horrible thief. I'm not good at it. D-I-Y. Welcome to Destination DIY Detours. I'm Julie Sabatier. We're kicking off a new interview series to complement our regular podcast episodes. We like to think of the stories we've been bringing you every month as destinations. And don't worry, you'll still be able to get there. But this series will be a collection of detours full of conversations that go into uncharted territory with some of our favorite thinkers, makers, and tinkerers. And we're still going to be bringing you monthly Destination DIY stories. These conversations will just be an additional stop and download along the way. We hope you enjoy it, and please let us know what you think. So today, as you can hear, we are not in a studio. We're inside Design Week's headquarters in a geodesic dome in downtown Portland. You can hear the MAX train going by behind me. You might hear a siren, people yelling and screaming. We are downtown. There are 222 events going on all over the city this week, showcasing creativity and innovation in graphics, architecture, fashion, and more. And I'm here with Kate Bingham and Burt. She's a maker, an illustrator, and an associate professor of design at Portland State University. She's done design work for The Gap, Chipotle, and Girl Scouts of America, in addition to some local DIY favorites like Reading Frenzy. Kate is probably best known for obsessive consumption. She made 3,000 drawings of her daily purchases over the course of eight years, everything from hairbrushes and lighters to wedding bands and furniture. For many years, obsessive consumption was a zine, and in 2010, it was published as a book. During Design Week, she has a show called More, More, More on display at the gallery space inside the branding company, Liquid Agency. Kate Bingham and Burt, welcome to Destination DIY Detours. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for kicking off this series oh with us. Oh my gosh, completely honored. <laughs> it's, it's kind of crazy that you've never been on the show before because I feel like we've intersected in so many different ways over the years. And one of your design students ended up doing our temporary tattoos. Yeah, and he's actually, Brendan is actually a really active volunteer during design week as well. And he, he is, he's fantastic. I was so excited to see that he had done work for you. That was great. Well, we love the tattoos. They're awesome. We still have many, many, many of them in my basement. And they're being worn, you know, hopefully by people all over town. Well, so More, More, More is a multimedia event, and I have a feeling that you're going to do a better job of explaining it than I will. So what are the elements of the show? Well, um, Josh Berger, who is the creative director at Liquid Agency, and he also is the, the founder of Plaza Magazine, which has been very important in the, in the design development of, I guess, my, my, my work, essentially, because it was incredibly influential to me when I was an undergrad, and it actually made me really see what I could do with design and I absolutely again credit Plasm for kind of being a permission giver in that way. Um, zoom forward 17 years and Josh and I are in the same town and he's I can call him my friend and I think it's fantastic. Well anyway he's been really supportive of um, my, my drawing project. He's been really supportive of obsessive consumption and um, when they started that gallery space there he really um, he wanted me to showcase all eight years of the project. And so that also gave me a nice platform to kind of do a little bit of um, a retrospective, not just of the daily drawing project, but then also one of my very first consumption projects where I photo documented everything that I had purchased for 28 months um, between 2002 and 2004. And so I got to bring that out again. And then also I'm having uh, many events that are gonna be going on for the next four months in that space. And um, again, it's just, it's a, it's a great platform 
for um, me to kind of experiment with a couple different ideas that I've wanted to execute and just to have that that storefront space to really work with a variety of different people and engage the public in ways that I'm not able to at my studio. And so you've got work on display. You have these mixtapes that are part of it. Well, that's going to be happening on Tuesday. Um, I have this... uh, fascination with antiquated technology and the uh, emotions that we put onto pieces of tech equipment. And I feel like a mixtape is actually a good example of this object that is absolutely, when you receive it, is filled with nothing. And then you fill it with uh, important music and songs and you give it to somebody else too. And so I've been collecting those mixtapes from people and drawing those mixtapes. And um, and this is just an opportunity where I asked a bunch of people what their favorite songs about money were and what their favorite songs about objects were. And then we actually, my friend Steve and I, uh, created a bunch of uh, physical mixtapes and then I'm making prints. And so we're just going to have kind of a print release mixtape release party on Tuesday night. Fun. And something that you've done before that I understand you're doing again as part of this project is the stolen object yes. confessional. Yes. So how does that work? So um, whenever I go around um, to different schools or to different conferences to give talks, I always have these little slips of paper that request that people write down the things that they've stolen over the course of their life and if they're sorry or if they're not sorry and then after the talk is over with they come up to me and they give me the slips of paper or they are anonymously just leave them on their seats but usually that's a really um, interesting platform for uh, more stories confessions. Um, A a lot of these stories are so um, guilty, they're sweaty, they're sad, they're funny. And then um, I draw the objects that they have stolen and the stories um, behind some of the objects too. And so we're going to have an event um, there where people are going to come in and, and tell me the things that they've stolen and then we're going to draw the stuff and then we're going to make a zine out of it too. Well, it's something that I love about the, the objects that you've drawn in Obsessive Consumption is that they do tell these really small stories that, that say a lot without saying much in words. You know, like the um, first married checks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it just, you, you wouldn't know that unless yeah. you had that label on it, but it was just, it says so much right there. Oh, just, thank you. That was actually something that... Um, as I was kind of looking at all eight years of the drawings, um, the first couple years of the zines, I actually just did the drawing and then I would type out a bunch. Basically, it was like a big journal entry that went along with every single drawing. And then I just kind of, I just stopped doing it because I didn't want to put so much of the backstory behind it, but I still wanted to indicate a little bit about what was going on. And so I dropped out all of the captions probably around 2000, 2008 and just started actually writing the captions or like different phrases onto the drawings. And um, I don't know, I, I like the way that that kind of evolved a little bit. It became less specific, but I think more, more um, relatable to a broader audience. Yeah, yeah. Um, and do you have an object? I know you've, you've drawn a lot of objects that you've bought. Do you yeah. have an object you want to confess to, to having stolen? Well, it's, it's, I think one of the reasons that I started doing the stolen, uh, the stolen project is that I'm, my, my, I'm not very uh, cool. And my face reveals uh, a lot of emotion when I don't think it is like when I think it, I'm playing it cool and I also have a tendency when I when I feel like something's wrong or something's going wrong half of my face turns red and my right armpit starts to sweat really bad it's like I'm really like heated oddly on one half of my body and um I actually 
I'm a horrible thief. I'm a horrible thief. My sisters actually used me as a mule, an unknowing mule. When we were younger, she would put things in my pocket in the store that she wanted, but she would use me, and then I didn't know what was going on, and then I'd walk out of the store, and then I'd reach into my pocket, and there'd be the thing that she had stolen that she wanted. And I just remember being horrified by that whole process. And, um, and then, of course, there's always the, when you're in high school and you're with, you know, your girl gangs or whatever, and they're switching tags on earrings and Claire's and things like that. I'm just bad, I just, and I have lots of guilt. I'm not good at it. And so I'm kind of curious, I think that's one reason, I'm just curious about what are the things that people are stealing and, and how, like, is it hard for you? Is it easy for you? Is this a good thing? And one of the things about the stolen items too, it's like a lot of those things, what are the things that we actually, some people really need those things to, to exist. And is it really that bad of a thing that they stole it? And I don't know, it's, 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 it, it leads to a lot of interesting conversations too. And do you think that, do you find that a lot of people are sorry that they've stolen things? A lot or? of people are sorry. And then there's some people that just are not sorry at all. And I feel like that type of confidence in stealing things from others is uh, interesting. And I want to get to know that person a little bit better. And, and why do you not feel bad about it? And sometimes I'm like, yeah, you shouldn't have felt bad about that. And sometimes I'm like, oh, and you don't feel bad about that? <laughs> Well, the idea behind obsessive consumption is really clear. It's, it speaks for itself. And it's this kind of, um, it's effective, but it's very non-confrontational in kind of making people think about how they spend their money. Yeah. And what they spend their money on. Um, I imagine that drawing these daily items was like a meditative experience. Yeah. Is that how you remember it? It was. And, and it kind of actually, the daily drawing project came from a project where I drew all my credit card statements until they were paid off. And... I, because I, I was $24,000 in credit card debt, and I wasn't really telling anybody, and I felt embarrassed by it, and um, so I decided that the way I work is that I, 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 I want other people to hold me accountable for these things that I say I'm going to do, and so I told people that I was going to draw my credit card statements until they were paid off. Because if I just like kept that in my journal and didn't tell anybody, I would have been done with that project after one statement. Because the point of this project wasn't to be fun. It was kind of a punishment in a way. And, um, and I also picked the medium of drawing because I hated drawing. I did not feel comfortable drawing. I felt I was a terrible illustrator. And so I wanted to pick a way of working that I also made me feel uncomfortable too. Um, but after a couple months of doing this, I actually did find the process of drawing to be super meditative. I really loved getting lost in the lines and I loved the typography. And, um, and then that's why the daily drawing project started is because I wanted to draw something else other than my dumb credit card statements. And, and then through that is when it really, I, I love it. I mean, it's eight years later, I draw every single day. And um, it is, it's, it's kind of, it's definitely my happy, calm, quiet place. And I can tell when I haven't, you know, been able to draw enough because I get super grouchy, where I'm just like, I just need to put my headphones on, I need to sit at my drawing table and just leave me alone. Let me, let me be quiet and draw. <laughs> and do you still do daily object drawings? I don't. I stopped that in February 
but I do, I draw every day. Cause one of the things that happened from the daily drawing project was that, um, I kind of started this accidental freelance illustration career. And so I am drawing usually every single day, either for myself or for, um, clients or, or other people too. So it's just, it's, it's definitely a part of who I am now. And, um, I'm, Really, really happy with the outcome of that, for sure. And what is it like to see your work in big, splashy ads or the paper in the basket when you get your Chipotle burrito? It's bizarre. And you know, because my, my, my personal work is so much about consumption, uh, I really am kind of pleased and um, feel kind of almost a little sneaky that a lot of my my paid work is about consumption too and so like this weird feedback loop starts to happen where it's like oh I just I just drew these burritos I purchased but then I'm now I'm drawing a bag for Chipotle too and it's just it's this whole cycle and circle and it's all connected and I get really I don't know I things being incredibly meta make me laugh and it's just ridiculous. Well how is working in advertising though like changed how you think about stuff and our relationship to stuff? Oh my gosh, that's a really good question. Um, I definitely, again, like I think with the project, it's, with the project of obsessive consumption, one of my main goals was, again, just to not be like this anti-consumption advocate or this like pro-consumer advocate. It was definitely about just being an active kind of participant in your consumer life away and like just being like really paying attention to the things that you're buying and the things that you're consuming and I think with the advertising side of it it's made me also be fairly um I don't know, I'm fairly selective about the projects that I'm going to take on too um and so I feel like that balances a little bit where I'm not just saying yes to everything um like for example like the Chipotle yeah they're a huge brand but I really like their stance that they take on working with like local farmers and I I feel like there's you know yes they're a huge corporation but they also are doing good things too and so I definitely feel fortunate that I'm able to pick and choose the different clients that I work with. Walmart approached me and wanted to know if I would do stuff for their holiday campaign I'm like I can't know I can't do that I can't I was like I didn't I was just like that no 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 but then of course I do stuff for Target so yeah, you know, it's it's everything is kind of it's it's really gray. It's not black and white. Has it changed your own consumption habits? The project where I photo documented everything, that I feel like was probably the most eye-opening project that I did just because that was the very first one and that was when me I was like documenting every single thing. And well, that was also before I realized how deep I was getting into credit card debt too. And so, I feel like that project combined with the credit card project that really curbed a lot of my spending. Again, it just made me become more aware and made me wake up a little bit. But I mean, my husband and I just bought a house and we get our keys on Monday. So I'm sure I have a feeling that there's another project involved in there because it's, it's like kind of physically making me ill that I actually own a home now. <laughs> yeah, and there's a lot of purchases that go uh, along with that. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of invisible purchases where it's like, oh, there it goes. That's, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to just wrap up with a couple of questions related to DIY. Awesome. Um, so first of all, tell me what DIY means to you. I absolutely, I think a lot with DIY when I think about it with my students. And even though they are, you know, going to, paying money to this institution, 
I really want them to feel like they are empowered in their education. Like they shouldn't be told what it is that they should be doing with the classes. Like if they want to do something in the structure of a university and they want to start something, that this is the place for that to happen. That they can take ownership over their education, that they can do it themselves, that they can make things be the things that they want to see happening essentially and so that's definitely like through a lot of the a lot of the way that I teach basically I want to give them permission to to work in ways that they want to be working to tell the stories that they want to be telling um, and then also the DIY for me too is like just kind of working towards making the career that you want to to have too and I feel really fortunate to be in Portland and to be able to teach at PSU and then also to be able to be an illustrator too and then also to be able to go and travel and talk to other students and and just kind of cobble together this weird um, I always look as like three different jobs that I feel like I have and all like the Venn diagrams all kind of overlay and um, I don't know I just I, I, I feel very happy that I guess it's kind of working. <laughs> it seems to be working. I don't know. It seems to be working pretty well. You kind of DIY yeah. your own career. Yeah, and then also um, just being able to workshops that I do give are all zine workshops, and it's 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 so much fun to go to different schools and to work with nineteen and twenty year olds that have never made a publication before, and at the end of those two hours they just basically want to start their own zine distro and it's just it's it's so exciting to be able to to see um how a simple like tutorial on how to make a one-page zine about anything you want to talk about can absolutely be transformative for what they do next and it's just I'm, i just feel really excited to be able to share that with all these students too what is your most memorable diy disaster Oh my gosh, I have so many DIY disasters. Actually, I'm trying to put together these mixtapes for this, this, this show on Tuesday, and I, I had to make my own template for an insert for a mixtape, and I, seriously, what should have taken 30 minutes took about eight hours, and I'm still not finished yet because I feel like figuring out this template's making my brain break because I can't download one. And that's pathetic. Like I became, I become so um, dependent on just Google searching and trying to find something that's already been made and I couldn't find one. I'm like, I have to make it myself and it's not working and then my printer's like flipping everything the wrong way. It's just, yeah, so that's, that's the most recent. I have like probably 15 DIY disasters a week at least, so. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking this detour with oh, us. Oh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Kate Bingman-Burt is a Portland-based designer. Her wide-ranging exhibition, More, 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 will be on display at Liquid Agency through the end of the year. And we'll have links to Kate's work and the many events coming up for Design Week on our website, destinationdiy.org. I want to thank our sound guy, my favorite guy, Levi Cecil, along with Destination DIY intern Sasha Peters and editor Laura Haddon for their work um, with this inaugural detour. And credit for naming the series goes to Destination DIY producer Jamie Cuddy. And I'd like to thank Miss Seely Pines for inviting me here to this geodesic dome for Design Week Portland. Thanks for listening. DIY. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.